All right, what's up, my brothers? 56th installment of the Unplugged Alpha podcast series. Tonight, we're talking about making rapid decisions, something a lot of guys actually kind of suck at, if we're being honest. And I'm going to give you some good tools and resources on this one tonight to help you speed things up. Um, quick announcement, the uh, School of Entrepreneurship opens up next Monday. Uh, you should get on my email list if you want to get uh, first notice there. Where's my damn ticker? The damn ticker. Here you go, right here. Uh, if you get on the email list, you can also get the um, free chapter on the 20 red flags men must avoid. And by popular demand, um, on the community tab, I was asking the other day what you guys really wanted to see in the follow-up book. Uh, a lot of people were asking about the green flags and kind of do a chapter on that. And um, that'll be in there. I've got some good stuff for you guys on that topic. And uh, I'll probably do a, a full podcast on pretty much all the chapters in the book anyway. So. I give away all the stuff for free. Um, anyway, so again, get on the email list. You'll get the free chapter of Red Flags, and I'll also not notify you guys there first when the course goes live for enrollment. Um, it's only going to be open for six days, and uh, it starts next Monday. Uh, next Monday night show, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with everything in that specifically. But tonight, I wanted to deal with making rapid decisions because, I mean, like how many times have you guys been been stuck on something and it's like, oh, I have all these options, and what do I do? And it's like you don't really have a good sounding board. Um, sometimes it's good to have a board of advisors. Not everybody has you know, the option for that. And maybe they don't have friends that they can trust, that offer some useful feedback. So that's what this one's going to be on tonight. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to break it down for you in a very simple and convenient way. Thank you, Steve. Yes, it will be a piece of cake. Um, let's do this though. So I'm going to use uh, business as an example. I mean, we could use women you're dating. If you're spending plates, we could use business opportunities. Um, the reason why I want to start with business is because I kind of went through this exercise with a guy in my uh, business forum last week because he's, um, like many entrepreneurs, a very scattered brain. It's like, I've got this option, that option, this option, that option. It's like, you know, everything's a, a squirrel or a shiny ball. It's like, oh, look, a squirrel over there and you get distracted sort of thing. Um, so if you have a little bit of ADD, uh, then getting a, a good solid visual on an easy way to kind of like rip through it makes way better sense. Um, if you're watching this, a few, I got to keep going through all these announcements. If you're watching this on my Entrepreneurs and Cars channel, uh, please take note. You're going to have to come over to the Unplugged Alpha YouTube channel, subscribe there if you want to watch the full show, because I am going to terminate the feed on Entrepreneurs and Cars on YouTube. So make sure you get those links that are pinned <clears throat> on the feed and in the description. And it is what it is. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not, I'm not dealing with guys going, Hey, you know what happened to your, uh, your podcast, I can't find it. So I'm simulcasting and trying to get you guys over there and make it simple. Uh, there should be tons of time for Q&A tonight because this won't take me very long to rip through. So yeah, get your get your questions ready and uh, we'll do lots of it. Open to anything, open a young old man, woman, whatever it is you want. Even if you got something you want to challenge me on that I've talked about because you think you got a better solution. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So let me throw up uh, my uh, most excellent, where is it? Do I have it here still? Yeah. I got an Excel spreadsheet, uh, which will reveal all for you today. Um, okay. Come on, cooperate. Oh, I see what the problem is. It's gotta be open over here. There we go. There we go. StreamYard's a funky little device. Uh, so let's go throw this up here like this. 
and what's better this i guess you can see this way too so let's do it like this um so in the live chat right now give me some um businesses give me some business ideas and we'll just kind of like do this live together so let's uh let's let's be creative here let's let's do something funny let's throw in only fans just for shits and giggles right i'm gonna be an only fans manager and run a bunch of chicks uh give me some business ideas in the uh the chat maybe ideas that you have maybe a business that you run a business you're contemplating running a business family runs uh just give me something there uh welding all right let's do welding we'll throw welding in for chris holding biz uh car detailing all right give me a physical product too like let's kind of like you know diversify it because welding's a service car de car detailing's a service only fans i don't know let's call it a service um give me a physical product give me a physical product something like uh I don't know, a widget, let's say a barbecue widget, some kind of, some kind of accessory that you use with a barbecue, some sort of scraper or glove. Let's call it the barbecue glove, right? The silicone barbecue glove or some shit like that. Um, what else we got here? Awnings, real estate, uh, real estate. I mean, let's, let's do something. Okay. Let's do windows and doors or something like that or windows, window installs. Actually, I'm gonna do a funny one. Pressure washing, because <laughs> this is one that guys, for some whatever reason, think is a great idea, and I'm not a big fan of it. So let's so let's just throw it in there. So pressure washing is what we'll use. All right. So we've got a couple of businesses here now. Just gotta clean this up a little bit. Delete, and so on the top over here, we're gonna sign a score of one to ten, uh, with ten being a highly ELF business. ELF stands for easy, lucrative, and fun. The opposite side of the scale would be a one, which would be hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating. I get into all the details on this in my course. I'm not going to explain it today in this video. This is about making decisions, but you have to identify what matters to you. Like, for example, if you were doing some sort of a matrix grid like this, because you're splitting, spinning five plates and you've been dating for a while, and maybe you're the kind of guy that wants to have kids and you're vetting them for mother stock, you could almost do the exact same thing. Um, but for this example, we're going to use business opportunities. Let's say, you know, Bob is contemplating an OnlyFans, a welding business, car detailing, a barbecue silicone glove, uh, and a pressure washing business for his entrepreneurial journeys. Cause he realizes he doesn't want to work for the man. He wants to do his own thing. Okay. On the right-hand side over here, uh, these are the elf biz qualities. Uh, let me delete this box to pull it shift shells up. I am not good with Excel. So bear with me. So on this side over here, we're going to use the, the descriptive term. So an elf business quality would employ um, subscription income, having low to no employees, being location independent, meaning you can run it from anywhere in the world, has low regulations uh, that would uh, cause problems for the business, let's just say. Uh, it's an information or a service business, ideally information first, service business would be the second choice. Um, so these would make it highly elf Low startup capital, meaning you don't need to borrow a shit ton of money to start the business. It's got good profit margins, so it's a profitable business, something that throws off a good amount of money, and it's easy to market, right? Because uh, there's certain things that are difficult to market, and there's certain things that are much easier to market. Um, I was at a retreat many, many years ago, and one of the most successful information products that had ever been sold was done by this guy. 
that had an information product. I think it was called six pack shortcuts or something like that. Six pack app shortcuts or something like that. And when he was doing a sort of talk on it, one of the things he said is like, you know, look, if you want an easy business to market, then you have to go get paid, get laid, get six pack abs, basically uh, get paid, how to make serious money, uh, get laid, obviously how to get the girls and get six pack abs, look awesome naked, basically. Those things are really easy to market people is what he said. So, you know, just to sort of give you some ideas of some of the business qualities that you might want to consider. And let's start assigning some scores to these. Okay. So just follow me through on this. This is not going to take long. We've got one, two, three, four, five businesses. We've got a couple of uh, measuring points here that we're going to try to figure out uh, where they're at. So OnlyFans, uh, does it have no employees? No, because you're going to have to have uh, women doing your uh, chat. They're going to have to be on camera. They're going to have to promote themselves. You're going to have to manage them. Uh, I would imagine that the women in this space are not particularly uh, easy to manage. Um, you know, we've heard guys in the space that sell this sort of stuff. Uh, mentioned that you have to get these girls to fall in love with you and you're sleeping with them all and blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. So you're dealing with a uh, interesting business, of course, with some perks. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't call it um, elf on that scale over there because you have employees that are going to be difficult. So I don't know. Let's assign a three of that just for shits and giggles. Uh, is it subscription income? Yes, because um, the guys that are going to be paying for the services, simps, are usually subscribing to it and they're paying monthly and it's a fee. Um, I'm sure there's other bonus perks or like tips you can give and stuff like that. But it, I would imagine it's it's primarily subscription income um, because once they form a relationship or they feel like they have a relationship, they're probably going to stick with it over a certain period of time. I don't know that you're going to have a three or four year subscription income off it. But I would imagine a few months is probably common. So let's go, yes. I wouldn't say it's a 10 because you're not going to have them for 36 months. It's unlikely. But you probably have them for at least three or four months. So let's give it like a six or something, right? Location independent. Can you run it from anywhere in the world? Yes, 100%. Are there low regulations? I'm not aware of any regulations whatsoever for this sort of stuff. Um, you're not putting anybody's health at, at risk. It's not a nutraceutical. You're not making promises of losing weight or gaining muscle. You're just simply entertaining simps. So yes, it's got low regulations. Uh, is it an info service business? Uh, yes, it's an information product uh, subscription service business. Yes, so let's give it a 10 there. Low startup capital. Um, what do you need? A decent camera, some lighting. Um, you need an Instagram account. You need some thoughts that are going to put out the, the content that you can obviously uh, manage. Uh, yeah, there's some startup capitalists required, but I wouldn't say it's that high. Let's throw a, let's throw a six in there for giggles. Margin should be pretty high for something like this. You probably have other upsells or other cam services you can offer. I would imagine let's call it, um, a solid six to a seven. Let's call it a seven just for fun. Cause we've got too many sixes in there, right? Easy to market. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, it's a kind of product that's easy to market. It's the oldest business in the world, right? So let's call, we'll, we'll throw it a, We'll throw an eight or a nine there just for just for fun. All right. So we've now assigned a score to OnlyFans. Let's tally that up and we get a 61. All right. So let's go to welding. Uh, you need employees? Yes. Unless you're employing robots, which is not, um, you know, that feasible for a startup at all, for being honest. So it's an employee business. So let's throw a one over there because you're going to need people. Subscription income. Um, I would imagine some jobs might need you to come back, uh, over time, but generally speaking, once you weld something together, um, if you're doing it on site or I guess it's generally on site, cause they're not going to bring heavy metal shit to you. 
Um, so no, it's it's generally not going to be subscription income. Although you might have some re recurring maintenance uh, or recurring jobs that need touch-up work. Location independent? No, you're going to be locked to a demographic. You can't run this business from anywhere in the world. You're going to have to be a known local guy. If you're a welder in Toronto, your yellow pages is probably going to be A plus welding Toronto, right? So you're dependent on the location. So that's going to tie you down. I don't like that for an elk business. Low regulations. I would imagine there's workplace safety. You're going to need safety equipment. You're going to need insurance. If somebody gets hurt, you're going to have legal issues. You're going to have employee issues. So it's going to be a regulated business. We'll throw a two there. Uh, it's a service business. So let's give it a five because you're providing service. You're not moving a physical product in the mail. Uh, low startup capital. I'm going to probably go with no, although Chris is in the uh, chat. He can correct me if I'm wrong. But what do you say? Shop in field rich. We build the building and the stairs at the shop and then install. Yeah. Okay. So that's not recurring revenue because that's done done by the job. So you're always hunting for new jobs, basically. Although you will have builders that will have like, I have 80 homes. I need you to do a staircase and, you know, sort of thing that you have to do the install. So you'll have income over a longer period of time. So let's, so let's fix that. Let's, let's bump it up to a four, let's say. Uh, low startup capital. No, you need a lot of equipment. You're going to need a diesel truck uh, to move shit around. You're going to need uh, gas. Uh, what are those cylinders? Obviously, I'm not in the business, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, those massive cylinders that hold all the different uh, gases and stuff like that that you need for welding. So there's a lot of equipment that's going to be required. The cost of it all, I don't know how expensive it is, but I'm imagining it's not cheap. Let's throw a seven in there. Sorry, let's throw a four in there because it's not uh, low cost. It's high cost. Margins, I think margins are high in welding, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, Chris is saying you're always chasing jobs. That's right. And easy to market. Look, as long as they're building shit, it's easy to market. Uh, the trades are almost always in demand. They're always building stuff. If the, um, you know, if there's people moving to the country, there's high immigration, even if the birth rate's not high, but if there's strong immigration, which there is in most Western countries, it should be easy to market. So we'll give that a seven. So let's tally that up. And we have a 31. Sorry, Chris, you'd be better off running an OnlyFans. <laughs> All right, let's do car detailing. This is something that I'm familiar with because I've done this before in the past. When I was a teenager, I ran a car detailing business when I was 16. Uh, do you need employees? Not really, but you're you're going to be do the, doing the work yourself. There's some employee requirements, so let's give it a tour. Let's give it a two, or sorry, let's give it a high score because you because you uh, don't need that many employees. Let's give it a seven. Is a subscription. Um, look, people need their cars detailed on a regular basis because weather makes them dirty and nasty. So once you have a customer and they're happy with the work, I mean, the guy that I use, I bring my cars to him every probably 60 to 90 days, depending on how much driving I've been doing. Uh, so yeah, you do have recurring revenue and you have a relationship with the customer. They keep coming back. I know they offer plans sometimes where they'll come every month or something. So let's give it a seven for subscription revenue. Uh, location independent. Uh, yes, you could run a car detailing business probably in the Caribbean, but why would you? If you've ever been down to the Caribbean, the cars are dirty as shit. The roads suck. You're not going to detail there. So there's limitations. But I mean, you can detail a car wherever you are, I suppose, within reason. We'll give it a five. Low regulations. Yeah, there's not many regulations required. Um, maybe some insurance required if you're running a legit business. It's not cash. Uh, but regulations are fairly low. Let's give it a seven. Is it a service business? Yeah, let's give it uh, an eight. It's right up there. Low startup capital. It's reasonably low, I would say. Um, 
you know, water, some cleaning chemicals, a pressure washer, doesn't cost much. Uh, margins are pretty decent. Your cost of materials to detail a car, probably less than 15 to 20 bucks, if we're being honest with water and cleaning chemicals. And if you're charging 400 bucks for a detail, uh, you've got decent margin that it's just, that, you know, you're going to be tired at the end of the night if we're being honest. It's, you know, it's an exhaustive business. You need a lot of energy for it. So uh, margins are high. I will give it an eight. Easy to market. Yeah. If you have a nice car and it's in a uh, affluent neighborhood, it's pretty easy to get customers to spend money. Like, you know, anywhere from 400, 600 bucks to do some detailing work. People spend a lot more. I've seen people spend, you know, a couple grand for full detail where they take off wheels and they clean the undercarriage. And there's a photo shoot involved and they do sealers and all this kind of stuff um so if you're in affluent market and you're targeting that it's reasonably easy you know i would say you get customers pretty easily so let's call it a seven um boom and again you know these are all uh subjective to you know your inputs and what you know about it so let's do it like a barbecue silicone glove that you're going to sell on amazon or something like that maybe you're going to have to promote it through facebook ads or you're going to use um the ad platform native to uh, the fulfillment house. Uh, do you need employees? Not really. It's actually a pretty low employee count that you're going to need for something like this. Subscription income? No, because if they're going to buy your glove, they're probably going to have it for quite a long time. So you don't have recurring revenue off it. You're like one skew stew, right? Location independent? Yes, you can run this from pretty much anywhere in the world. Low regulations. It's a glove. It has nothing to do with uh, promises of uh, losing weight, removing um, wrinkles from underneath your eyes or anything like that. It's not, it's not a consumable. It's not a nutraceutical. So yeah, it's got very low regulations. Uh, is it an info or service business? No, it's a physical product. Physical products you have to source from the supplier. They sometimes take a while to get to you. Fulfillment houses make uh, create problems sometimes with shipping. Shipping companies sometimes deliver and it gets uh, stolen. Uh, they may get it and they don't like it and they have to return it. Depending on the product, because this is a barbecue silicone glove, it's not going to break in the mail, so it's anti-fragile. But if you were shipping something that was fragile that could break in the post, um, you're going to have problems with it, right? So, you know, uh, with something like that, I'd probably give it like a two, you know, let's say, just because it's because it's an anti-fragile product that won't break. But still, you're going to have returns. You're going to have lost products. You're going to have problem sourcing it. You're going to have added costs associated to your supplier if fuel prices go up, for example. So there's all kinds of issues that you run into with a physical product that you don't get with a digital product or a service-based product. Again, this is all stuff that I cover in my course, guys. So if you're interested in learning more about the School of Entrepreneurship and everything that I've learned over the years, make sure you're on the email list for when it launches next Monday and you'll get notified there. Low startup capital, uh, barbecue glove. No, because you're going to need to have some money to buy your inventory of gloves. The more you buy, if you order 10,000 units, you're going to pay less than 500 units or a thousand units or a hundred units. So just keep that in mind. There's some, uh, startup capital that's going to be required. Is it a ton? Probably not as much as a welding company, uh, but it's still going to be up there. I'm, I'm going to give this a five. Margins, probably pretty high because if you're buying some cheap shit silicone glove from China for a couple bucks and you're selling it for 20 or 30, you've got a good marketing campaign. Margins can be pretty strong. So I will give that a big fat eight. Easy to market. I'm going to say reasonably, but it's going to come with some costs. Um, actually, speaking of costs, let's take the margins out of the equation and give it a, a six or a seven. 
because you're going to have to spend uh, quite a bit of money on advertising on Facebook, Instagram, even native to the uh, fulfillment house platform, whatever you, you know that you're going to use. You're going to have to advertise it straight up. Uh, is it easy to market? I'd say reasonably. Um, yeah, people like buying trinkets and shit. I mean, there's no question about that. I don't think it's as easy to market as something like an OnlyFans. Uh, so we'll give it a six or a seven. I'm, I'm just going to give it a six just for shits and giggles. All right, let's do a service-based business called pressure washing right now. Do you have employees? Uh, you're going to need a couple of employees probably, but it's not going to be a huge employee count, but we're going to give that a fucking four, let's say. Um, subscription income. Um, you know, if you have a customer on your books, you might have annual jobs that you do. Um, I think most of the pressure washing places that I've talked to, um, that have asked me questions or have come to me for consults generally have contracts. I mean, if it's commercial, you're going to have commercial contracts. So every certain period of time, you're going to go back to do the work. You might have a spring gig or a fall gig. So there's some degree of subscription income that comes off this, although it's not monthly for the most part, unless you have a commercial contract. Location independent, can you run it from anywhere in the world? No, you're gonna be locked to a demographic. So you're, you know, your list is gonna be A plus pressure washing Toronto. Um, for you to set that up in Miami or LA is gonna be uh, an entire process. So I'm gonna give it a low score for location independence because even though you can move it around, it's not a location independent business. It's not like you can take all your shit and start selling your barbecue silicone gloves from a beach in your uh, boxers while drinking a Corona, uh, you know, your feet up in a hammock like you could with the one prior. Regulations for pressure washing, you're going to need some insurance. Um, there's probably a few small regulations, but it's going to be a very low regulation business. It's not like um, something like you're dealing with financial services or nutraceuticals or making promises to lower weight or anything like that. Is it a service business? Yes, we can give that a high score. Uh, low startup capital? I'm going to go with yes, because what do you need? Um, you wouldn't probably need a diesel truck to tow that shit around. Uh, you could use a van or a gas truck. Um, you just need a gas pressure washer and some hoses and maybe some chemicals. So it's not that high of a startup capital cost. High margins? Uh, not as high as some of the opportunities that are out there, but yeah, you know, there's money to be made at it. Easy to market. If shit gets dirty and you live in a climate where it's dusty, it's rainy, there's seasons, it should be reasonably easy to market to your customer base. So yeah, um, wouldn't be that hard to market for being honest. Let's add those up. All right. Well, you've just evaluated five different businesses with clear scores across the bottom over here. And based on the ELF model that I talk about in my school of entrepreneurship, the kinds of businesses that are ideal to run versus ones that are going to be more difficult to run, we have OnlyFans, car detailing, and what's number three? Barbecue silicone glove, right? So it's pretty easy. I mean, if you were a guy that was considering getting into the welding business or an OnlyFans, it's, it's a pretty clear winner that if you want an easy, lucrative business to run, OnlyFans would probably beat welding all day long, plus you're dealing with hot women. But that's going to come with a bunch of other sets of problems that anybody that's dealt with hot women in the past that are problematic are going to obviously be very, very familiar with. Yeah? 
So again, like, you know, you can use this for a whole bunch of other stuff. Let me just uh, remove this from the screen. I'm going to drop the invite link for you guys if you want to hop in and ask a question and for the Q&A. And again, if you guys are watching this anywhere else on the webs, uh, Twitter, Twitch, Twitch, Facebook, you're going to have to come over to the uh, YouTube channel to get that link to come on in and ask a question. If here, I'll drop the link for YouTube. Uh, here's the YouTube link if you need to come over. Drop that in the all chat so you guys can see it on Twitch, Facebook, and Twitter, 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 Twitter. All right. Um, so I'll let you guys hop in there. Okay. Let me go back here to my, there we go, add a stream. So while you guys are piling in, uh, you know, wait and ask your questions and stuff for the Q&A segment, you could swap this out. You know, you could, you know, you could score, let's say you're spinning plates. You know, you're dating a bunch of women, you're tired of it, you've been doing it for a bunch of years, uh, you know, you're unplugged, you're red pill to wear, you're captivating, you got good game, you got good frame, and you're the kind of guy that's like, I want to have babies. I want to leave a lineage, I want to have sons, whatever it happens to be. You could then take your plates, Becky, Susan, you know, Barbara, and, you know, put their names up over here, and then list the qualities that matter to you. You know, like, what is it that matters to you? You know, is she feminine? Does she have a low notch count? Is she agreeable? You know, whatever it happens to be down the other side and start assigning scores, you know, and then a clear winner should pop and that should make it easy for you to make a decision. Making decisions aren't hard, guys, when you have frame around what matters, right? Because you can manage what you measure. If you're not measuring shit, you can't manage it. It's as simple as that. So start measuring things in your life um, and, you know, take take a serious approach to it. That's that's this is the easiest way for you to do it, Right. The absolute easiest way. Um, all right, let's see what we got here in the chat. We've got a few people piling in. Again, guys, you can come in and ask a question of anything you want. Entirely up to you. Um, but let me just run my uh, reel, my ad reel for you guys and pay some bills, and we'll take the questions in a couple minutes. This episode is brought to you by the Unplugged Alpha Supplement Line, Grandike Soap Company, and Chad's Face Scrub. Brothers, if you're like me and you take what you put in your body seriously, you'll want to use the Unplugged Alpha supplement line. An obsession with absorption is what sets this line apart from the others. You want to make sure you absorb as much of the supplements as possible so you don't end up peeing out expensive urine. My supplement line is made in the United States from the highest quality domestic ingredients, and unlike cheap supplements from China and plastic bottles, mine ship in dark glass bottles to keep your supplements fresher, longer, and won't seep endocrine-disrupting plastics into your supplements. Nothing is a hard tablet. Everything is an easily digested bioavailable capsule. You can filter all products by their various categories, including testosterone support, estrogen metabolism, fat burning, immune health, sleep support, and performance. Visit theunpluggedalpha.com forward slash shop and use the subscribe and save option to get 10% off your supplement orders or just use coupon code ALPHA10 for 10% off a one-time order to try it out. Men, I use Tactical Soap and God of War beard oil every day. Tactical Soap is a handmade product made in the United States from ingredients you can actually pronounce, not conventional endocrine-lowering toiletry chemicals. Both the soap and beard oils are infused with bioidentical pheromones that are designed by a clinical psychologist and pheromone expert to maximize attractiveness to the opposite sex. Visit 
coopersoap.com and get 10% off your order today. Gentlemen, my go-to face scrub to keep this manly face clean and clear is Chad's. Again, it's incredibly important to me to only use products with all natural ingredients without nasty chemicals that disrupt male hormone levels or convert to estrogen in your body. And unlike watery scrubs that slip between your fingers, this thick face scrub with black lava sand gives you powerful results in one go. Visit getchads.com and you'll be redirected to the Amazon store you'll get 10% off when you use coupon code GETCHADS10. You can find all the links I've just mentioned pinned below in the top YouTube comment. If you wanna learn more about why I endorse these natural products to my audience, search on my YouTube channel for an episode I did with Dr. Anthony J titled, Playing to Win Number 21, How Estrogenics Make You Fat, Sick, and Infertile with Dr. Anthony J. Let's get on with the show. All right, all right. So uh, now that we've got that out of the way, uh, we got some people that want to hop in and ask some questions. Uh, I just wanted to scroll up and touch on a few things. So I noticed in the chat, uh, we got Chris and Ryan who are kind of in some of those businesses. Uh, Ryan says that if you're providing power washing and seal coating services, the margins can be better. Yeah. So you can build on margins by offering upsells, you know, kind of like while you're there, it's like, well, I can do this and then I can offer you the benefit of this service as well if you paid this, you know, sort of thing. Uh, and I saw Chris was in the chat saying that he literally gets 200 plus quote requests for a slow week. So he has no trouble getting business in the trades as a welder. Uh, well, again, guys, there's not a lot of people that are willing to do the work in the trades, you know, these days. I know a lot of guys that are um, in concrete forming and stucco and welding in um, a lot of different uh, services like this where they're having a hard time finding people. And, um, you know, prices are just going to keep strong, you know, they're just going to be there. So you, you can make some money at it. Remember that. Um, all right, let's see what, uh, we got Maddie in the chat here. He says he's got a question about subscription based marketing. So let's see what you got here for me, buddy. What's up? What's going on, brother? Appreciate Matt everything. He leads for locals. So you have a subscription based marketing company. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a marketing CRM and my question has to do with churn because we're doing pretty good right now and I'm getting, uh, uh, and it's a marketing CRM for the business loan industry. So basically it helps business loan brokers uh, generate and convert more leads, uh, book more appointments, get more people on the phone, submit applications, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's, we're doing pretty good. Uh, I get on average, you know, five to 10 new clients per month, uh, just kind of smooth sailing with that. But I also, over the past three months, I've I've lost you know five to ten clients each month as well, um, sometimes more, and um, it's not an overly expensive marketing CRM, but um, it's kind of frustrating because I'm not really sure what else to add to the software to keep people from canceling. And uh, I know you had your your credit business uh, a while back that was subscription based, and I wanted to get your feedback on uh, some of the things that maybe you did to reduce uh, the churn, people canceling. Uh, recently, I've started doing a uh, monthly town hall meeting for members only where we get on a zoom call for an hour or two, you know, we review their campaigns and, mm -hmm. you know, do a Q and a and stuff like that. Uh, I started giving certificates of accomplishment. So whenever somebody posts in the Facebook group, a success story, you know, I give them some recognition and uh, I'm bringing on new partnerships to give them new, uh, new, more products to help them close more deals and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I just want to get your feedback on reducing churn. Cause I feel like, Right. So, so right now I'm at about 65 clients. I feel like mm -hmm. I should be at at least a hundred. Okay. So 
your service uh, generates leads for local businesses in what industry specifically? Uh, this marketing CRM, it does it for the business loan industry. Business loans. Okay. Yeah. So and brokers what... that help business owners get funding or capital or credit for their business. Okay. So here's the thing. I mean, like, so I've dealt with lead, lead generators, you know, before. So in my industry, um, I did pretty much all the lead generation, either through Google, Facebook, or YouTube ads. And I could do it for, I can't remember what the cost was when I stopped doing it. Maybe about 20 bucks a lead. When I first started doing it, it was like five, six bucks a lead. Pretty much everybody that approached me that wanted to sell me leads uh, sold leads that were at a rate around 50 to 60 bucks. Okay. So much higher than what I was paying. Now, yeah. I bought some leads just to try it out. And what I found was my leads were better because my company brand and my name was advertising directly to the consumer. So when my guy called from right. the office and said, hey, um, you know, you scheduled a call to talk to us about this debt problem. They recognize the company name. There was no disassociation. Whenever a lead generator generates a lead, they would generate it off some, I don't know, some site like CanadaDebt.com or something like yeah. that through the standard funnel form. It wasn't recognizable right. to the customer. So right then and there, not only were, were the leads that I were generating cheaper, but they were also easier to convert to customers because yeah. they recognize the brand. Right. So that's a problem that you're going to run into whenever you're Well, no, and that's what my clients do, though. I, that's, I give them the resources to generate their own. So I'm not generating the leads. Oh, for I see. Them. So you're, they're, they're so generating you're training their own them how lead. to generate their own leads. Exactly. I give them all the pre made funnels. I give them pre made Facebook ads. Everything is pre made. They basically put it okay, in their so, ads manager and run it. But okay, it's all so for their own brand. If you're going to teach them to fish, then why are they going to buy fish from your market? Basically, is what that boils down to then. Well, I'm not selling them leads, though. No, I understand, but you're teaching them how to generate their own leads. So once they feel right. like they're comfortable enough to do it on their own, then why would they keep training with you? Well, it's not a, it's not a, there's training involved with the product, with the marketing CRM, but that's not why they buy it. The marketing CRM has all of the pre-made funnels, all of the automated follow-up. It has emails, mm -hmm. text messages that goes out, uh, uh, automations. It has a lead management pipeline. Yeah. It has a lot more than just training. Like the training gets the leads in, but the CRM itself helps them get them on the phone, get appointments booked. It stays in front of them over, mm -hmm. you know, six to 12 months, et cetera. So that's you this. why they keep it. Why do you think that they abandoned the uh, subscription with you then? It's a good question. I, I've been trying to look at the the people that are having success and the, and the ones that are not. And I, I think it, it does come down to like, I mean, there's only so much I can do. Uh, it comes down to following up with their leads. Uh, obviously, some people are going to be better at sales than others. You know, some people call leads once or twice and then give up. Um, whereas other people, you know, they'll call them until they tell them to F off or, you know, are, or they actually get them on the phone. Are you teaching them how to have their customers schedule a call to have their sales consult? Uh, kind of, but that's part of the CRM is that it does that automatically, like the funnel and the automations, it, yeah. it has the prospects book the appointments automatically. Okay. And, and it also sends out the email sequence once they've, you know, become a yep. lead and they've gone in and if they yep, cancel correct. with you, then they lose access to all of that. Correct. Correct. So it seems to be that, you know, the people that tend to cancel, they're not, they don't take the business as seriously as, as others, you know, they're trying to make you know, a, a crap ton of money in the first 30, 60 days mm -hmm. when, it, I mean, that's just not realistic. So maybe, maybe pivot to an industry where 
they're going to need you for a longer period of time. Because, I mean, it sounds to me like you've got people that aren't that serious about the yeah. industry that they're in. It's like they take a stab at it and then they abandon it. Like, why would they abandon it? People only abandon a business if it's hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating, right? Right. So maybe they're right. not finding the profit margins that they wanted. Maybe they're finding the customers a pain in the ass. Maybe they're, I don't know what you charge monthly, you know, for your service. Maybe the fee doesn't work out, you know, to make it sense not a for lot. It's, what they're earning. It's one, yeah, it's one ninety seven a month. It's, it's not yeah, like... Look, I'll be honest with you. Like, there's a lot of dog fuckers out there when it comes to running their business, right? Like, they don't take it seriously or they just get into something yeah. to make money. Like, they're not that passionate right. about it. Right. So, is it possible for you to pivot your uh, CRM software, like your software, yeah. so that it's like, you know, can be adapted to different industries, specifically ones that um, have large customer bases, always need to get new customers, sort of thing? Like, right. you know, with my debt business, we always needed to get brand new customers in, right? Mm hmm. Right. Um, I'm actually, I'm working on that right now. I was, uh, the, the niche, the next industry that I landed on was financial advisors because there's, you know, there's more regulations, there's licensing issues and stuff like that. So they tend to be a little bit more committed to it. Mm -hmm. So that's the next industry I was, uh, I was going to start working on. Um, I was just, uh, you know, I was just curious if there's maybe anything that you you've done in the past, uh, you know, that you added to your product or service that reduced the churn. No, uh, that's just I like, like you got something, something pretty, pretty solid there as far as a product goes. It's just it sounds like the industry that you're marketing it to, you know, with business like it's for business loans. Is that what you're saying? Or it's for business right. financing? Correct. Yep. Well, that's also not a recurring business model, right? Like usually if you need business financing or if you need a loan or if you're going to do leasing, it's like a one-time project and then it's it kind of like you don't have to do that again, right? Yeah, it depends. Uh, I do not, I do have people that build a clientele so that uh, like if they do lines of credits, there's residual income on that. Mm -hmm. uh, but also if you do a really good job with somebody and they need funding the next time and you've, you've stayed in touch with them, they'll come back to you to, to, to get their next round of funding. So it, it really depends. Um, it, it, a lot of people treat it that way, but it mm -hmm. doesn't always have to be that way. You know, it, it just no, it's interesting, man. I think you got a cool little gig going on and I like that you're, you know, a young guy with some hustle going on with it, but I would, but I would take a look around at some other industries and, and just try All to right. figure out like, is there something where my customer, meaning the guy that's going to be buying your service is going to need it for a long period of time, 36 right. months, 48 months. You know, what about car financing, right? Like, like, what about car leasing, you know, stuff like that? Because car leases and car finances have very long terms now, or much longer terms than what they did before, right? So at least that way, maybe you've got a 48-month relationship with a guy rather than four months. You see what I'm right. saying? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just yeah, kind I'll... of fish around in a different pond, you know, because if, if the, you know, like what you're getting where you're dropping your lure in and where you're fishing ain't that great, then maybe you need to go another pond because it's got yeah. better fish or it's got you know that's, that's what i've started on. doing i've mm -hmm. already started building the other like i'm basically taking the same exact process that i'm doing in this industry i'm just going to be applying it to uh to the next one yeah. um so yeah i'll be working on that and okay. then uh i'm on uh I'm, i was gonna ask i'm on your wait list for the next round of the mm -hmm. school of entrepreneurship are you still yeah. doing that this this month are you it's, still yeah that it's up? kicking off next monday it opens for enrollment so if you're on the email list you'll get a notification there i'll probably do next monday's show on the topic as well and do a bunch of q a okay. and you know some more details on it cool i'll be yeah. there I appreciate all right man it. thanks maddie Later. see you bud um i was just thinking as i was talking to him that one of the other things that are super important for an elf business uh which i didn't include there 
Let me grab my share screen and Chrome tab, Excel. Um, an elf business also should generate you at least a million dollars a year in sales. So that's something else that you'd want to consider that I would consider anyway, if I was evaluating businesses, right? So it's like, you know, which one of these are going to generate income at or in excess of a million dollars a year in sales? There's certain things that probably won't like card detailing, for example, I don't know many de like card detailing uh, shops that do over a million dollars a year in sales. They probably do a few hundred thousand, four or 500,000 maybe. Um, and you're tied to a location, um, you know, like it, like it comes with some flaws and it's, you know, not going to hit that kind of income level. So that's something else that you want to consider too, which I didn't mention when I was, um, you know, valuing to that, which is all in my course material. There's, there's a number of other metrics to look at. <clears throat> I think what I'll do is I'll probably add to this, um, and I'll add a uh, module to my course. So one of the things that I end up doing guys as well with my school of entrepreneurship is that. I always add to the modules that are there. So if you enroll, uh, like the last group that enrolled was back in April and I've done some webinars and I've done some updates <clears throat> or there's a new module that I add, you have access to it and you've already paid for it. Um, it's just the new guys when they come in, um, they're going to be paying a higher price to, you know, the, the uh, course material, uh, cause it's got, you know, extra modules and there's more content that's been add to, added to it. Uh, I know Chris has seen the material and he says the school of entrepreneurship is a huge value. So get on the wait list there, guys. All right. Let me see what's uh, up in the private chat. Um, got uh, Nick here who has a question. It looks like diet and nutrition business. Is that what it is? What do you got for me, Nick? Hey, how's it going, Rich? How you doing, bud? Good. How about you? So I just wanted to uh, kind of aside from my regular job. Because mm -hmm. I have a job that I really like. I'm, I'm a firefighter and it's a pretty sweet job. So I, I don't really want to stop doing it, but I want to do a business on the side. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've just been helping people out with their diet and kind of nutrition stuff and um, kind of wondering what you thought about that kind of business. Yeah, it's a dime a dozen, man. There's a lot of people in the diet and nutrition space, but there's also a lot of people that are out of shape. And yeah. you'd think it's simple. Like, you know, the equation's easy. <laughs> Move more, eat better. <laughs> I, I said something like that on Twitter today, right? You know, move more, eat better. And somebody, you know, replied with, what do you mean by move more, right? It's like, yeah. dude, you don't get it. Like, don't sit on your ass all day and be sedentary, right? But that's how the world is. Um, that being said, unless you're doing something online that's scalable with an audience to sell um, like an information product to, kind of like Grego Gallagher does with Kinobody, um, you're not going to make a lot of money at it. You know, you're going to be working at a gym as a personal trainer. You're going to have a handful of clients on your roster. You're going to be exchanging time for money, whatever that billable rate is, you know, that's what you make. Um, I know a lot of firefighters that are in the trades too. So, you know, when they're not working, um, you know, they run a contracting business or a fencing business or a pool business or something like that. So maybe there's something to consider there too, right? Yeah, that's what I do. I do refrigeration work on the side right now too, on my days off, but, um, yeah. So, uh, like I was just thinking though, cause people, uh, like DM me on Instagram sometimes and they, mm -hmm. they'll ask for diets and I just write people diets and I don't know, it's, it doesn't take a lot of time to write somebody a diet and then there's literally it, free I, apps that you can download that tell you how to, you know, eat properly. Yeah. I mean, or like premium apps, you know, you might pay a couple bucks a month too. So I would like, personally for me, I wouldn't recommend it cause I don't think it's an elf business, right? Like right. it's not going to make you a lot of money. So 
I mean, there's only 24 hours in a day and there's certain days that you're working. There's certain days that you're not working. So how many hours you have that you're not working? Uh, well, I work for four days and then I get four days off. So, right. So you have four days days off straight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So what do you want to do with those four days? I mean, you want to trade, you know, the time in those four days for $35 an hour, or do you want to lean into something that might make you a lot more money? That's an elf. Yeah. That's that's what I want to do. You see what I'm saying? Like one of the things that I preach to guys over and over again, and some people don't even get it after they go through the material and they still come at me with something like, you know, like a basic ass business is going to do $200,000 a year. That's annoying as shit. It's like, you're going to spend the same amount of time, effort and resources running a business as a guy that's going to be making over a million dollars a year. So why not choose the kind of business that you're good at, that you have an interest in, that you have the skills at so that you can make the serious money. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Dude, you should get on the email list. You know, if you're a firefighter, then you're not poor. So, you know, make sure that you grab the course when it launches and get, you know, get through the information. Cause if you're contemplating building a business and you want to do something with your spare time, cause you got four days off a week, yeah. This is, you know, this is the way to figure it out, right? Like it's a mindset course. I'm not going to tell you do this, 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 and the other thing. It's like, this is the mindset of successful entrepreneurs, what they do and what they don't do. And this is why they make all the money that they do. Right. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. I'll definitely get on that. Thanks. All right, man. See you in a bit. Cool. Cool. So we'll see you guys on the inside for that. Uh, Jaron says, we haven't had a shirtless guy in a while. Must've heard we put an OnlyFans casting call. <laughs> uh, Welding, divorce. Do, do, do. All right, what do we got here? Do, do, do. We got nonstop who has a question. Uh, where's nonstop here in the chat? I just see palatability. Nonstop. How you doing, buddy? Hey Rich. Good to see you, man. Thanks for thanks for taking my question. Good buddy. What do you got for me tonight? Well, first of all, I want to tell you that uh, I, I think you're doing great work. I think you help a lot of people mm. and I really appreciate it. Yeah. Second thing I got to tell you is that I came to know of you. I'm one of those people who came to know of you through your interview with uh, Andrew Clavin. So okay. I, know that, I know that categorizes me at a track con. That's okay. I've been called no, that's work. cool. Anyway, so my, my question revolves around the iron rule number six that I'm struggling with. Uh, what is the, what is the six iron Iron rule, you know, a woman cannot love you the way uh, you uh, expect her to be able to love you. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And the fact that they uh, they uh, love transactionally, uh, uh, conditionally, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, uh, uh, opportunistically, yeah. And uh, so, uh, I'm not exactly red pilled. I'm working on it, but I'm way far away from it. But mm-hmm. uh, in my mind, I'm trying to figure this out. If if we're red pilled and we we see the code in the matrix. And we understand that a woman cannot reciprocate love the way we expect it to be. Then, uh, 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 as Red Pill, we're, we're supposed to be then able to guard ourselves, to protect ourselves, to prevent ourselves from getting emotionally invested in that woman because we know she can't reciprocate. Mm-hmm. And so, if, so if that's our uh, mode of operation then i say well okay well, so let me just deal with one thing here. at a time because i know that you got a few ideas here and i want to answer yeah. sort of like okay. one thing at a time so one of the yeah. things you said is that you know a woman can't love you in a way that you expect her to love you which is true right like women love a man under the condition that he's useful right. chris rock said it in his stand-up tambourine yeah. okay. only women children and dogs are loved un- unconditionally men are only loved under the condition they provide something yeah. right yeah. so now that's not to say that a woman can't love you or that you can't love a woman. 
right? Like I love my girlfriend and she loves me immensely, right? But I'm acutely aware that if I stop chasing excellence, fall flat on my ass, I get fat, I'm out of shape, I, you know, I'm not able to make money, she's probably going to bounce. And that's okay, right? So it's like, you know, the whole point of the red pill is not to piss you off or not to like, you know, get you to the point where you keep women at a distance or that you don't like fall for them sort of thing. It's like, no, have like, have a relationship with a woman, have a relationship with multiple women, if that's what you want to do, but just understand their nature. I mean, but if you know up front that they mm-hmm. cannot invest emotionally in the way that you need them to. Yeah, it's not, you know, you know to love. People, why do I bother? Yeah, it's not in sickness and health until, you know, death do us part sort of thing. Like, you know, they. So, I mean, and so I, 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 I guess in some ways I'm trying to avoid becoming blackfield because I am starting to become uh, distanced from the whole idea of investing emotionally in a woman. Mm-hmm. But then I say to myself, well, then what's the point? What's the point of any of it? If I, if I, if I can't, it's like, it's like, uh, is it better to have a nice car, drive it for a while and, and total it by smashing it into a tree? Or is it better to never have had the car at all? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, is it better to emotionally invest in a woman knowing you're going to, knowing that she can't reciprocate, knowing that you're going to get hurt? Or is it better to not invest emotionally in a woman at all? And I, I can't get, I can't resolve it. No, you're asking good questions and you're dealing with the standard stuff that every tradcon that's been watching that side of the internet always deals with when they come across my stuff, right? Like I wasn't expecting Andrew Clavin's team to call me up and say, Hey, we don't, you know, we want to have you on the show. I was like, okay, cool. You know, I'm happy to talk about that. I knew most people weren't going to agree with it, but if somebody wanted to listen and, you know, hear what I had to say, cool. So you're at the point where you're like, okay, this guy, Rich, you know, said some interesting things and I want to check it out and I've checked it out now and now it makes sense. But now I have this new challenge, you know, that yeah. I'm dealing with. Yeah. How old are you? Oh, don't ask, please. Don't make me say the number. I'm guessing 50s. Uh, 65, man. 65. Okay, good. So where do you live? In- I, at the moment, I'm in North Carolina. Okay. Um, and what are you coming across in the dating landscape as you're kind of out and about doing your thing? Well, you know, uh, I just got out, I just got out of a, an LTR just a few mm-hmm. months ago. And I honestly, God, I'm not, I haven't been eager to jump back into anything. Oh. I'm not, I'm not naturally a plate spinner, but I mm-hmm. do have, you know, I, I am able to, uh, generate a uh, little charisma when I'm motivated. Uh, what, what, I guess what you guys, uh, uh, call game. Uh, we, we used to call uh, just uh, uh, charisma or, or whatever, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, so I haven't been I haven't been even trying to get back into the game. Mm-hmm. But in this area, say uh, it's, it's, it's a religious area, but uh, there, it's, it's not like there's a shortage of opportunity. Let's put it that way. Okay, and and what happened with the last lady that you were dating? Why did that not work out? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> well, it definitely uh, became betatized, no question about it, even more so. Have you uh, read my book? Uh, I'm, I'm reading you and Rolo right now. I've, looked, okay. I've watched many, many, many of your podcasts, and I, I agree with everything you say. Okay. I'd say it's just, I'm, not, I'm not exactly able to implement it the way that I know it should be implemented. Okay, so you went through betatization through a thousand concessions. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and she got, yeah, she got bored. And, and you know, I, and I, I do, I did all the wrong things as far as, you know, trying to make myself into something that I thought she would appreciate more. Yeah. All the same things. So, yeah, she, she eventually bounced. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, 
you're kind of new to this. And I mean, it's like teaching an old dog new, new tricks. You come across the information like, oh, shit, that's interesting. I, I kind of felt that and I kind yeah. of experienced that, but I just didn't really know how to put a fine point on it. And now that I've seen the fine point, it's like that kind of changes the game a little bit. And you look at the, you know, you look at the game, you look at women, you're like, wow, is this really worth it? Basically is what you're asking me. Right. And, and I mean, the truth of the matter is, is if you still subscribe to old world thinking, if you still subscribe to plugged in thinking, it's not worth it. Right. You can't, you can't spit up the red pill once you've taken it. It's like, okay, now you've seen the code in the matrix, you know what things are all about. And if you, if you understand women's true nature and you accept it for what it is and you play the game, you know, sort of thing, you'll be just fine. Dude, like there's lots of guys in my community. Like we chop this up all the time, right? Like there's lots of guys in my community. Like some guys are red pilled. Some guys are maybe a little bit black pilled. Some, you know, some guys have been called somewhat nihilistic, but they're not sort of thing. And it's like, you know what? You just kind of figure out what works for you and where you are in your life. And that's all that, that's all that the concept of putting yourself first really is. It's like, what's good for nonstop? What matters to me? What am I going to tolerate? What am I not going to tolerate? When she starts to try to beta tie me and, you know, push me through all these concessions, I'm going to resist and I'm going to hold my frame, right? Look, dating women is a lot easier than getting into long-term relationships with women because when you're in a long-term relationship, you don't have other options. You're generally going to go through the process of beta It's just, you know, to what extent, you know, like you're all going to go through it. And, um, uh, there's higher risk involved, right? Because when you invite a woman into your life, if you start living with her or if you start living in a way that looks like marriage to the state, she all of a sudden could be entitled to half of your shit, right? right? You know, if you do it wrong or if things go about, you know, the wrong way, depending on what state laws are. So it's like, okay, knowing all those facts and that, you know, you're basically marching through some like a, a tool shed, and it's windy outside, maybe there's a tornado coming and a bunch of sharp things might, you know, fly off the wall and hit you. You kind of make a, you know, decision and, you know, think to yourself, okay, well, I'm going to navigate this a little bit differently, right? Well, so, so uh, one of the things you said, I think that really answered the question was that uh, it is actually possible to have a loving relationship, even though she's loving one. in a different way than what you I have one. Yeah, absolutely, man. I've been, you know, I've been with my girl for a while. You know, she's a great chick. She compliments my life. She's not the focus of it. Um, she does, she ticks off all the boxes. She doesn't have, you know, the red flags that I talk about in my chapter. She's got a lot of the green flags that I talk about in my new book sort of thing. Right. Like there's the, there's, there's good women out there that you can have a relationship with and you'll have a good experience if you're a solid guy that's unplugged and you got good frame and you know how to navigate things properly. Right. But I mean, like you can't walk into it blindly thinking, well, I love her and she loves me. And, you know, we fell in love with each other in that time when we watched the sunset in Cancun, blah, blah, fucking blah. All that stuff doesn't matter. You know, two years down the road, if you've lost your job and you're not making any money or something happens and then she's looking around going, well, nonstop is not the guy that I signed up for. Things have changed. All of a sudden, Kevin from sales looks better and she starts talking to that guy instead and bounces on you. And you're going to have to be okay with that. Yeah. Right? Well, I, I guess what I, what I have to be okay with, again, trying to understand what you're saying here, is I have to be okay with the fact that I know that she cannot love me in the, with the same capacity that I'm loving her. I just, I just have to be okay with that. She, she, she can love you in the, um, at the same capacity, 
but not in the same capacity, right? So 10 out of 10, you know, head over heels in love with her. 10 out of 10, head, head over heels in love with me, okay? But she loves me differently than I love her. But right. it's the same level of love. Okay. okay. So love is love in that regard, but but it's different in the regard why she's there and why she loves you. You know, women love men for what they are. Yeah. You know, for what he can provide. And you have to be okay with that. And it's why I tell guys, like, don't sulk over it. Don't be a little bitch. Don't sit around watching like black pill content crying about it. If you're fat, lose the weight. If you're poor, make the money. If you're boring, be captivating. You know, find interesting hobbies. If you don't have influence, be influential, right? It's like that's that just happens to be what women are attracted to. But you don't do it to get the girls. You do it for yourself because you want to be a top shelf man. Well, I think, and again, this might be the TradCon thing coming up, but I, I think that most men really want a deep, meaningful relationship with a woman. They do. And they absolutely do. And if you can't be sure that she has the same sort of emotional depth that you have, it, it undermines your confidence in that relationship. Yeah, but I mean, look, man, as as long as a chick looks at you like you're her best hypergamous option, all other guys will be invisible. She will she will truthfully be in love with you. But you have to be the kind of guy that a woman's going to fall for, right? I mean, if you're not ticking off all the boxes for her, then something else looks interesting to her and she has a capacity to get it because she's attractive enough and, you know, she knows how to wiggle around sort of thing. She'll potentially go get it, you know, sort of thing. And you just got to be okay with that, right? It's like, you know, women, women are just that way. Like that's just the way women are, right? And you can't blame them because evolutionary speaking, if they didn't do what was best for them and their offspring, they, they would have died. Right. So, it's, you know, it's a feature. It's not a bug of the system, right? And if you understand the features of the system, then you're like, okay, well, I'm that guy anyway, so whatever. I mean, you know, and then that's when you have a great, ex like, listen, man, that's that's when you truthfully have a great experience dealing with the opposite sex is when you're the top shelf guy, you got good game, you're captivating, you're frame, like you deal with all that stuff. It's like, if a chick gets out of line or she's got a bunch of red flags that she's not dealing with sort of thing, then you don't settle for her. You don't invite her into your life. You don't take vacations with her. You don't date her on a long-term basis. You know, you look yeah, for yeah. a better option. You keep her at arm's length. Maybe she's just a friends with benefits. I don't know, but it's incumbent upon you as a guy to make these decisions for yourself and what's best for you, right? Yeah, no, Nobody can tell you what's best for you. You need to decide for yourself. And that's all that I'm trying to do here, you know, with these podcasts and my book and everything I'm doing is I'm trying to give guys the knowledge and give them the power to make the decisions for themselves. So they can have a better experience at life as a guy, right? I mean, if you listen to me long enough, I will brainwash you into thinking for yourself. <laughs> well, I'll keep listening for sure. I've gotten a lot out of I've gotten a lot out of your stuff, and I really appreciate all you do. Thank you. All right, buddy. Take care. You See you, man. I like talking to older guys. They're they're always fun. Un unplugging the older guys can be difficult, but it's uh, it's fun. Um. Uh, 65, dude, ain't you ever heard of the Philippines? Yeah, that's, um, look, if you don't have game as a guy and you don't understand what motivates women, if you're a dork in North America, you're going to be a dork in the Philippines. Go, go watch those shows. They always put on uh, TV where they get some fat guy that works at a post office with no neck 
that wants to go to Asia to get his get his wife or Brazil or some shit like that. And they bring her back and she's like, uh, wait, you live in your mom's basement and these are all your Gundam toys wrapped around the top over here. And this is your video gaming console over here. Yeah, I'm good. I want to go back to fucking Brazil or wherever they came from. Right. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know why guys still think that, you know, running to another country is a solution. Yeah. You might have an easier time, uh, because your money will go a lot farther. Yeah, that's true. But at the end of the day, if you're plugged in beta in North America, you're a plugged in beta in the Philippines too, man. There's no getting away from it. Uh, JR says, uh, the school of entrepreneurship, well worth it. Highly recommend to the folks who haven't. Thank you, JRR. Links below. Get on my email list. It launches next Monday. Um, it's only for six days. So when it launches, you're going to want to get in. Don't, don't miss out. The information's gold. Uh, let me see here. I think I caught them all. All right, we got uh, Brian in the house. What do you got for me, Brian? Did you put something in the chat here? All right, let's see what Brian's got. Brian, you're muted. You're gonna have to unmute yourself, bud. Oh, <clears throat> can you hear me now, Rich? Yeah, go ahead. All right, hey, Rich. So, um, hopefully, my looks like my camera's all blurry. Anyhow, um, so this is pertaining to um, entre entrepreneurship question, mm -hmm. and I guess this falls a little bit in line with the. Um, with the power washing, but in mm -hmm. particular, have you heard of, I, since obviously you love cars, uh, dry ice blasting, dry ice blasting. No, what's that? Um, so it, it's pretty relatively new, not just in the automotive detailing, but also in like other industrial prospects. It uses, uh, a dry ice, which is, you know, CO2 and it uses these pellets relatively like three millimeters to a millimeter, um, in length and essentially using the compressor and it blasts the CO2 onto uh, whatever you're trying to clean, right? Mm -hmm. And since it's negative de 80 degrees Celsius between the, the very cold um, composition of the pellet and also blasting into whatever you're shooting, it blasts essentially any of the dirt, grime, what have you. And because of CO2, it doesn't leave any residue. So there's no so it does, moisture doesn't, doesn't damage the surface of the paint or anything like that? No. It, you can add an abrasive. So you can yeah. strip paint. Or okay. you can uh, clean, like, for instance, the best uh, thing is to see before and after, like, of underbodies okay. of vehicles. Okay. okay. So what's the question here? Um, I'm just – what I'm trying to gauge, and I've been asking other people that have businesses, is, mm -hmm. is whether – is this a supplemental-based business, like, for, let's say, car – car detailing or can it be an industry in its own where i could potentially like let's say go into um industrial sectors cleaning let's say plastic molding injections well or... it depends i mean like how long does it take to do how much does it cost how like how long lasting is it how effective is it right like it's got to be better than what you're trying to replace like the reason why the automobile replaced the horse and buggy was because the automobile was better Right. It didn't have to stop to eat, to drink water, to take a shit. It just, you know, it just drove sort of thing. Yeah. And all you do is put more petrol in it. So is it like, how is this better from, you know, what it's designed to replace? Um, essentially for like power washing or even car detailing, you can, it's sensitive enough. You can clean like the interiors without destroying like leather or fabrics. Mm -hmm. Um, yet it can be abrasive enough to strip paint and undercoating off a vehicle. Okay. And What's the cost to use it? And that's what I've been contacting the manufacturers. 
mm-hmm. to understand the cost basis. And I'm getting waiting back from sales to get costs for machini- the machinery. Mm-hmm. One company is called Dry Ice Energy. They're out of Germany. And mm-hmm. their most expensive uh, machine is $9,000. And that's mm-hmm. not including the dry ice, which they provide the dry ice for, I think it was 30 kilograms for $50. And that- How long does that last? Um, that, I mean, I guess it depends on, on, you talk about like, as far as how long will it last for like sitting or are you saying for use case? Well, I mean, you put 30 bucks of something into the machine. How long does that last for? I mean, is it, is it 12 hours worth of work and you do 150 cars? Like, you know, like what's the lifespan of it? That that's something. How many that miles I'm, per gallon do you get out of it? Yeah, basically, is what I'm asking. That's something I'm still waiting to get uh, the talk yeah. with some of the sales reps to to discuss. Yeah, so like, ideally, if you're going to come up with something that's you know newer, better, faster, then it mm-hmm. really needs to be like newer, better, faster, right? Like the whole electric car thing, you know, today. Um, is it is it newer? Yeah. Is it better? Arguably, so, you know, in some circumstances. You know, is it better? Not really. I mean, it takes you a fucking hour to charge your car, you know, with a high voltage charger or even like 30 minutes to get like a full charge, but I can fill up my tank in three minutes, right? Mm -hmm. And go the same distance. And my gas tank doesn't shrink by 20% over five years in storage capacity or doesn't change if the weather's hot or cold, you know, by that much. So, I mean, ideally, if you want mass adoption on something, it really needs to be like, you know, like truthfully, like newer, better, faster. Um, Ernesto was in the chat and he said, how about job safety? You know, the room full of CO2 in no time could be hazardous, obviously, right? Because you need oxygen. So there's something else to consider. Is that an outdoor gig or, you know, can you do it inside or is it going to fill the room with carbon dioxide too, right? So there's yeah. a bunch of things that you got to contemplate. But I mean, really the question is, question is, is how is this newer, better, faster than what it replaces? And is it profitable for you if you offer it as a business? Because if it doesn't tick off those boxes, then what's the point? Yeah, no, it, I, that totally makes sense. Because currently I'm, I'm actually, I'm an automotive engineer. That's yeah. something that I'm well, in the Detroit are Metro. Smart guys. So, I mean, like you should be yeah. able to evaluate it and, you know, figure it out for yourself, right? Like you're asking me and I'm not in the industry. I, I didn't even hear about this thing until you mentioned it to me. Yeah. And that's, I'm still getting all some of the details from, I guess, the manufacturers. And yeah, I'm seeing whether if it's something lucrative that I can, I can scale upon in other industries. Cause I'm, I'm here in the Detroit Metro and mm-hmm. the biggest problem I have is, well, it's the Detroit Metro. So I'd like to be. So Chris is in the welding business. He says dry ice blasting is awesome. Use it all the time to remove lead paint on commercial jobs. So he's familiar with it. Uh, Using dry ice for sandblasting. Long story short. Okay, got it. So it sounds like it's familiar in the in the industry out there, Um, but it's got applications where where it's really good at stuff, right? Like you know, like Mm -hmm. removing lead paint on commercial jobs. It sounds like it does a fantastic job at stuff like that. So. See if there's applications that you can apply it to, right? But I mean, the problem with a business like this, and I'll tell you right now, it's a time for money job, right? Um, it's it's not necessarily ELF, right? Like, I mean, if I were to grab my Excel spreadsheet over here and put dry ice blasting in there, you're going to need employees. Uh, do you have subscription income that you can generate it off from customers, from commercial contracts? Probably. Location independent? No. I'm telling you, like, if I start up a business, I want a business that I can run from anywhere in the world, right? Like, if they go to lockdowns again in in Canada, 
and you're location dependent in your business, I want to get the fuck out of here. Right. So I want a location independent business like that matters to me. It may not matter to you. Uh, are there regulations with dry ice blasting? Probably. I mean, you're dealing with chemicals, you're dealing with carbon dioxide. Uh, there's probably environmental hazards. Uh, is it a service business? Yes. So that gives it a decent score. Low startup capital, nine grand for the machine, 35 bucks to fill it up. Okay, that's not too bad. Margins, I don't know. What are they like? Like, what can you charge for the service? Is it easy to market? I don't even understand it. Like, I've never heard of this before. So you're going to have to do some educating on it. So like, there's some problems that, you know, come along with creating a business like this. I'm not saying that it can't be done or that it can't be profitable. It's just, if you're going to do something, I would just make sure that it, that you're doing something in an industry that has a market cap big enough where you can make at least a million dollars a year doing it. Cause what's the point in running a business if you're not going to do that? Yeah, no, it's very valid. And I was looking in the perspective since, I mean, dream cruise for instance was last week and there's thousands upon thousands of, of, you know, muscle cars, collectibles, but also you have a big, uh, a marine, um, industry over here with a lot of boats and also manufacturing and, uh, things of that sort. So I was looking in the, like what industries provide in the area, but at the same time, like you said, I don't like being locked in a particular area. So that's mm -hmm. where it, it clashes. Um, so yeah, it, you know, you, you've given me some thought to, to, uh, think upon and, and to, see what other okay. ventures or i can go from there but All i appreciate buddy. your time Rich. thanks for hopping in man appreciate it um super chat here says great time to stock up on cryptos like sol eth avax matic uh i my view is i think it's still going to go down lower um so i've got my buy orders in for lower numbers than where we're at today that's just where i'm at i could be wrong though we'll see um Jesse Ruff, I'll get to you in a second. Um, I got a question here from a guy in the waiting area who's been on a few times. I'm not going to bring in. He says, wanted to ask you about Andrew Tate being banned on social media. Um, look, Andrew Tate didn't get banned for saying things. I mean, he said things that I've said in a more bombastic way, obviously. Um, but I think what got to him uh, was the whole leveraging of the community that he built um, to take advantage of the algorithms, one. And two, uh, the woke mob got to him because they found old videos of him uh, taking a belt to a chick's ass on that TV show. I think it was um, Big Brother or something like that. I don't know. But um, yeah, there was some video out there of him uh, spanking some chick. And I think he addressed it at some point. He just said like, Look, you know, I did that for the TV show or whatever. It was just all acting. But uh, look, they're going to take it out of context, man. You know, if you say things that are controversial um, and you say it loudly and you have some things going on in your past that they could leverage against you, you look, Alex Jones, Milo Yiannopoulos, um, who else has been deplatformed? I mean, like, you know, Stefan Molyneux, like... You know, once you get deplatformed, it's like difficult to come back from. So the key thing is, is if you're going to say, look, I'm proud of my family name. Okay. I don't have anything that concerns me about my past. Um, I've, I've run ethical businesses all the time. Uh, look, if you're proud of who you are and what you do, speak loud and proud. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure Tate, you know, would co-sign that. Uh, but 
you know, if you've got stuff that can be twisted in your past uh, and used to leverage against you, it's going to happen. Cancel culture always comes for people uh, like, you know, if you're allowed, they're going to come for you. You know, like it is what it is. Um, that's why, look, I've been doing this podcast for a long time. I've been saying the things that I've been at, you know, for a while. I have a lot of female fans. I have a lot of people that don't like me too. And it's like, fine. But what those people generally do is they just like switch over to another channel and they'll go watch a cat video or something like that. I'll just move on to something that they enjoy. Um, you know, it's just the way that it is. I mean, look, if you're going to broadcast yourself out, you know, publicly, be clean. You know, that's all I can say, you know? So that's my take on it. Uh, Jesse Ruff, let's see what you got for me, buddy. Hey, hey, what's going on, uh, Rich? It's been a while. What you got for me tonight, bro? Yeah, yeah. So I ended up uh, listing my place, and I'm selling it for crypto. So I pulled the gun on this thing very quickly. You're so selling your house to buy crypto. That's right. Okay. So, yeah. So basically, you're going all in. Uh, yeah, I'm going all in. Okay. So I ended up um, noticing the market after that first big dip. Mm -hmm. uh, what ended up happening with stock market, crypto market, and everything going down mm -hmm. uh, during June. Mm -hmm. And um, when I headed back to my place, I noticed that in my city, everything, the equity just shot up like crazy. And when I noticed the equity shooting up like crazy, I was like, you know what? I was going through different processes, you know, like uh, studying from like uh, Cultivate Crypto, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, all of them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? This might be a good capitalist strategy. And um, so if that market's high and this one's low, why not? And Kiyosaki's big on as big on crypto as you think. Like he's a real estate guy. Oh yeah, yeah. I was. That's what I mean on the real yeah. estate side of things. Okay. Uh, when it comes to the housing. So, so, question for you. So what? So what cryptos do you like? What are you gonna pour the value of the house into? <laughs> okay. So obviously the very basics, right? There's gonna be a little bit of Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum will probably be majority of what I'm gonna be throwing into, but. There's probably one that you might not like, which is Here X. We Here we go. <laughs> so I'm jumping into that a little bit too. Yeah. Well, now that would be you and a lot of other boneheads are too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, you know, if you can make money at it, do it. You know what my take on is it, man? I don't hmm. like the guy. I don't like the the status of the whole thing. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. It should get. <laughs> right. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, just like look. When you're young, you can play to win. You know, you can lose the farm. You can sell your house, pile it into crypto, lose it. Fine, you're 25 years old. You'll make it back. No big deal. Okay, but if you're an older guy, you want to play a little bit more defensively. My, my advice would be Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then maybe, you know, take 15%, 20% on some more risky plays. And if you like some yeah. risky plays, then, hey, you know, go in, but just at least know what you're walking into because the vast majority of those shit coins are called shit coins for a reason. And they do go to shit, you know? So mm -hmm. do your research and study for yourself. Do not listen to the fucking cults out there that are shilling this shit. Cause there's only so many gullible idiots out there that are going to fall for it before it all collapses. So just be careful with yourself. Okay, bro. Oh, obviously. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Thanks for hopping in.
Yeah, I just, yeah, you know, irks me sometimes. Nomad says, hey, Rich, I'm 26 and a journeyman lineman. Make roughly quarter mil plus on an average year, one different income stream. What's your take on acquiring real estate out of country for rental properties? Um, you know, when the real estate market collapsed um, and the U.S. dollar was on par with the Canadian dollar around 2009, a friend of mine had an exit the year before in his business. And he, I don't know, he walked away with like five or six million or something like that. And a lot of things came together for him. You know, he had an exit. He was sitting on a lot of cash. Canadian dollar was on par with the U.S. dollar. The U.S. housing market collapsed way harder than the Canadian one did. And he bought up a shitload of U.S. real estate for cheap. And he's done very well at it. Um so if you see an opportunity outside of your country in another country to acquire rental properties, um, you know, at attractive price, just understand that sales happen from time to time. And if you can leverage it, leverage it, you know, take advantage of it and make some money, man. Um, let's see what we got in here. Chris Amy says, you got balls, brother. Wish you the best thing. He was talking about the crypto guy that was selling his house. Uh, homeless on a street if it goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, Greg says, buy real estate, not crypto. Road to riches doesn't normally come through on crypto or overnight. Um, I think that the housing market is probably, I don't know. I mean, it looks to me like things are going to cool off. That's what the consensus seems to be anyway. I've got a couple of friends that are real estate agents and we chat every once in a while. And like, you know, one of the things... They're always asking me is about what I'm doing. And I'm always asking them, hey, man, what's going on in the markets? Where do you see things going? Um, and the consensus seems to be things are going south. So if you're selling now and you buy crypto at a low price and housing goes down over the next two to three years and crypto goes up, you'll be able to buy back into the real estate market and do just fine if it all works out that way. And if, you know, you make the right picks sort of thing. Uh, but if you must read this, he says, yeah, it is what it is, man. Um, all right. I got nonstop. Who's nonstop rule number six scalability. It will drop some more. Oh, I already had nonstop on. I just, uh, here, I'm just going to boot you just so you're not waiting in the area there. Yeah. Yeah. Just be careful guys. Be careful. Look, uh, look, you know, like I was telling the other guy, it's a lot easier to fix your shit. If you fuck up as a young guy. You got a lot of runway, but if you're an older guy, you got less time. Okay. So be, be careful with yourself when it comes to making investments and going balls deep on stuff. I know there's always like <clears throat> some guy out there that's promising you 10,000 X returns on this. And it's the best thing since sliced bread and blah, blah, blah. Look, I've been around long enough that I've heard all the bullshit stories and I can sniff it out. So just, just be careful guys, you know, educate yourself, educate yourself. Uh, Greg says buy multi-tenant real estate, put down 30% leverage debt. I've done well and it's safe. Yeah. It's look, if you play real estate over the long term, regardless of market conditions, you're pretty much always going to be just fucking fine. Um, I don't know too many people that have been in real estate, acquiring real estate, over 10 or 20 years that have lost money. I don't think I know anybody. In fact, they've all done very, very well. So, um, 
digital real estate. I like Bitcoin. You guys know that I like Bitcoin. I've, you know, I've talked about it for years now. Um, I, I see it as digital real estate, man. You know, like I got plays in a lot of different things. Um, I got out of my real estate plays last year when the market was hot because I saw it being pretty much a top. I didn't want to deal with owning real estate in Canada. I don't like the Canadian government. I don't, I don't like the way things are going here. And I saw an opportunity to cash out. So, you know, I converted into other assets that I like. Um, so, you know, move your money around when you see it's appropriate um, and when conditions favor you. You know, the whole putting yourself first thing doesn't like there's way too many guys that spend too much time focus on chicks and getting the girls. And it's like that should just be an accessory to your life. That should just be a compliment to what you're already doing. You know, the gigs that you're on and, you know, what you're working on and what you're building for yourself. Um, you know, putting yourself first in all areas of life matters way more than getting the chicks, right? Uh, Chris says the kid can always fall back on his only fan gig if it doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah, man, it is what it is, right? Um, Ma, for you in the chat, are you doing your live show afterwards? I think he's got a stereo. I saw a notification on. So, um, you know, get your ass over and check out Ma for the companion show afterwards on stereo. Uh, the course launches next week on Monday. Again, if you're on the email list, you get first notification there. It's going to be a six-day launch. Uh, there's your link there for Moff Show. It's going to be a six-day launch. And um, I'll go over all the curriculum, answer all the questions next week. I know a bunch of you guys are just like, yeah, just let me know when it's free um, you know, to enroll and buy in. And I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be there. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye open on your emails for that next, uh, next week. And I'll probably do a live show on it got banned for the fourth time and I'm back. Yeah, look guys, <laughs> like getting locked out, getting deplatformed, you know, like the extent of it varies, right? There's like I got a copyright, sorry, not a copyright. I got a strike on my account um 3 months ago because I did an interview with uh Dr. Peter McCullough just talking about what was going on over the last couple of years. And um yeah, so it's like you've got to be You've got to be aware of these platforms and what they will and will not tolerate. Um, there's certain guys that walk into it blindfolded, you know, they kind of sleepwalk into the bullshit and uh, create some serious problems for themselves, not knowing what they're doing. Um, whatever happened to Tate, I'm pretty sure he knows, you know, like, you know, the dude's a smart guy. I'm pretty sure he knew what he was doing. So, you know, like, I'm sure he'll figure it out. <laughs> uh what's Randy Francis got here for me? He says, uh, how do you deal with assholes? As an MMA fighter, I get a lot of guys that come to my gym and look at me for advice, but they never listen. So I have a very strict uh policy with assholes. I just don't fucking tolerate them. As soon as I recognize somebody's an asshole and they're wasting time and they're not doing something, like if you come to me for advice or you come to me for help and you do fuck all with it, you're an asshole. Um, some people get mad when they're like, oh, Rich charges, uh, you know, money for his time privately and he should do it for free or whatever, or his rate shouldn't be that high. It's like, no, uh, do you go to work and work for free motherfucker? Because I don't. So I get paid what I'm deserving to get paid for the time and for the advice that I dispense. So if you want my time privately, I've got links on my channel. You know, you guys can find me. I, you know, I get bookings all the time. Um, but if you're going to, you know, ask me a question. Do it on my show. It's free. That's the only time that I will work for free. You know, you call into my show, you help me create content. 
Um, you know, it's, it's useful for material that I'm working on. It's useful for uh, clip material that my editor works with and you get free advice from me. But if you keep coming back over and over again, asking the same shit slightly differently and you do absolutely nothing with it, you'll never get back on my show. And I notice you guys, right? Like I, I see these guys that like, come on, it's like, it's the same question or they were on a few weeks ago or it's somebody that I've seen before and they just kind of want to preach something. It's like, no, this is my show, not your show. You're not here to capitalize on it and bore my audience with your dumb shit. If you have something that you want to ask or better yet, this is one thing that I've been telling you guys for probably a couple of years now. It's like, look, if you don't agree with something that I've said, instead of being like a coward and just writing shit in the comments or sending some like email to me, come on the show with your better solution and let's talk about it, right? I'm not afraid to chop up ideas and have a, you know, have a little bit of a debate. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. All right, go check out Moff. Uh, he'll be on Stereo in a bit. I'll be back next Monday, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, and uh, we'll cover all the stuff that's in the course and anything around that. We got some good call-ins tonight. I really appreciate you guys coming in with some business stuff. Um, you know, the fellow that was the TradCon, uh, nonstop, I think was his name. Um, you know, I was asking for a little bit of clarity on what's going on in uh, his life. All great questions, guys. Really appreciate you. Go check out Moff on Stereo.